0: Welcome! I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Galatians. Today is episode 342. We're looking at Galatians chapter 3, verses 19 through 25. Let's read our passage. Why then was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions, until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now a mediator is not just for one person alone, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would certainly be on the basis of the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Paul is dealing with the churches of southern Galatia. He and Barnabas had just been there on their first missionary journey, sharing the gospel, planting churches, and then had returned to Syria, to Antioch. And they received word that there's problems back in Galatia that a group of people we call the Judaizers are trying to convince people that they cannot become Christian unless they become Jews. The problem is that Paul and Barnabas were preaching to Gentiles, people who had not become Jews, and telling them that they could be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And while many of the Jews were okay with the concept of Jesus being the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, they could not get a hold of and accept the idea that that didn't mean anything now as far as being Jewish to Gentiles, that they could be made right with God without first becoming Jews. And so it's created a problem in the churches, and Paul is sending this letter to counter that problem, that salvation is by faith. Justification is by faith, not by following the requirements of the Jewish law. So he's been arguing about The promise made to Abraham by God in Genesis. And saying that came before you ever had the Mosaic law given on Mount Sinai. And it's an unconditional promise. So it stands on its own. And the argument is that just as Abraham was justified by faith, we can be justified by faith. And the promise to Abraham was that through Christ, everyone would be blessed. And so the question then, then why did we have the law? Why did God give the law to Moses on Mount Sinai? And that's what Paul's dealing with here. And just a warning, Paul's dealing with the specific issue of why there was the law. Not so much how we live now in relationship to the wall. He'll deal with that a little bit in chapters five and six. So he's asking the, real, the question of why was the law there in, in terms of salvation history, not in terms of uh, daily conduct today? So verse 19, why then was the law given? And warning here, this, Paul uses very compact language here. Uh, as, as we read a, a few words, it probably meant paragraphs to the, the people then because of context so, for us, some of it's hard to figure out exactly what he's saying, but just knowing the context of it helps us a little bit with it. So, why then was the law given? He says, it was added for the sake of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. Well, we know he's talking about Jesus Christ there. That's the seed, the seed of Abraham that he just had talked about earlier, that Jesus Christ is the seed of Abraham, the descendant of Abraham, the one for whom the promise was applicable, that that's the one who would bless all people. And so the law was given for the sake of transgressions, essentially says until the coming of Jesus Christ. For the sake of transgressions, he's talking about sin there. Why? What does he mean here? Well, Paul talks about this in Romans, and that's where, as we said earlier, that a, a great commentary on Galatians is Romans, because Paul gives a more detailed description of a lot of these things that he does here in, in Galatians. And in Romans 5.20, he says, the law came along to multiply the trespass. So that's a, a hint of what he's talking about here. So the... The law came to multiply the trespass until the coming of Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in verse 19 and says, The law was put into effect through angels by means of a mediator. Now, we've got to understand the the concept that a lot of people had at that time. The, The understanding was that it wasn't just God and Moses on Mount Sinai and you know, nobody else, all the Israelites down camped at the, the base of the mountain. It was all the stuff going on, the trumpets, the, uh, the thunder, the, the smoke, the fire, all that stuff going on, that was due to the involvement of the angels. And so that's kind of what Paul's referring to here, is that there was just a common belief that uh, angels are very involved in the giving of the law. And so, the angels and the mediator, the mediator is Moses. Now, often we refer to Jesus as the mediator between God and people, but the law was given not directly to the people, the law was given to Moses. And Moses then acted as a mediator between God and the people. And so, his point here is that God came directly to Abraham and made the promise. Yet the law was given with the involvement of a bunch of angels and via a human mediator, Moses. So that's another reason that uh, the promise of Abraham is superior. Now verse 20 is a, a difficult sentence. He says, now a mediator is not just for one person alone, but God is one. And just reading that, it, it's hard to make sense of it. Now the literal words are: "Now the intermediary is not of one, but God is one." And really, we don't know how to make sense of that other than the context of it. And uh, you know, he's referring here to the oneness of God—that uh, you know, the God of the promise—that is the promise to Abraham—is also the God of the law. So that's one thing we got to remember here that the same God who gave the promise to Abraham is also the same God who gave the law to Moses. So it's not that they're from two different sources. But I I think the uh, New Living Translation has just a good explanation for this. In uh, verse 20, they translate it. Now, a mediator is needed if two people enter enter into an argument. But God acted on his own when he made his promise to Abraham. The point being that it was just God and Abraham for the Abrahamic promise, but it was God via Moses to the people for the law. And why is that a big deal? Well, it's just again showing the, the superiority of the, um, the promise to Abraham. So but back to the question, so why? Why the law? He hadn't answered it yet. And he does that in verses twenty one through twenty four. And so here he's going to give, okay, this this is why the law. Verse twenty one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law had been granted with the ability to give life, then righteousness would certainly be on the basis of the law. So the point here is that It's not that the law is contrary to the promise made to Abraham. It's not that the law is something um, that's going to lead us astray. He says, okay, but the the issue is you don't receive righteousness through the law. And and that's where so many of the the Jewish people of of that time were making their mistake, is that they're trying to receive righteousness through the law, not righteousness through faith. And so he says, what he, he's basically saying here is the, the law itself shows our inability to achieve righteousness through our works. The law shows us our inability to follow the law perfectly. Anyone who tries to follow the law knows you really can't do it. So, one of the purposes of the law is to show that you can't do it on your own. You cannot be saved through obedience to the law. And verse 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise might be given on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. So, here he... He's talking about sin. And I think the best way to understand this is he's essentially saying that the law shows our sin. The law shows our guilt. And so the, the very purpose of the law, one, is to show that we're unable to follow the law. We're unable to achieve righteousness based on our works. But it also shows our sinfulness. The law reveals God's standards and shows our guilt in violating those standards. Then verse 24 and 25. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian. Now what's he mean by that? Now the word guardian is, uh, we have our own idea what that means, but the word he actually uses here is, is a Greek word, pedagogos, and in wealthy families, uh, they would have a baby, and the baby would immediately be taken care of by a wet nurse, a uh, a servant who uh, actually breastfed the baby and cared for it while it was still nursing. And then as soon as it was old enough to be weaned from nursing, it would be passed to another servant who was essentially a nanny, who would then raise the, the young child until about the age of six, then the child would be passed to this pedagogos, who is, that's the word that gets translated as guardian. So it's more than just a a guardian. It's somebody who's, it's more than a nanny. It's somebody who's raising the child. Uh, One commentator says, okay, it's best to probably translate this as disciplinarian, Because it's not a a loving, warm kind of relationship, necessarily. It's meant to be more of a taskmaster. Somebody who's going to whack you upside the head with a stick if you step out of line. And so this person would raise the child to adolescence, teaching the child manners, teaching the child basic uh, how to live kind of things. But uh, not so much in a, in a warm, coddling kind of way, but in a fairly rough kind of way. It's, that's the sense of it. And so the idea here is that the, the law is doing that. The law is providing that firm guidance, steering us toward Christ, actually. And so w- what's the purpose of the law? Well, why the law? Why 400 some years after the promise to Abraham, the law? Well, it was to basically show our need for a savior. To show that you can't be good enough to follow the law. You need to be saved by faith. Shows that we are guilty before God. Guilty of violating his standards. And it's a guide to actually steer us toward faith to get us ready for Christ. Because, as Paul's been saying, you know, this justification only occurs through faith, not through the law. And so, Paul's not saying the law was useless. The law should be thrown out. What he's saying is the law is not good for salvation. Faith is what leads to salvation. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Galatians.